All right. Well, it is Wednesday, which means it is podcast day. We better not forget to boomerang today. Yes. <laughs> uh, so this is Rachel Vote, and I want to thank you so much for tuning in today to A Good Girl's Guide podcast, which is really A Good Girl's Guide podcast officially with uh, best friend Jess Anderson, hey. who's here. Hi. And what's uh, what's uh, places that they can find you? Photoswithanderson.com or on the Facebook. You can also find my secret group for ladies only. It's Boudoir Photos with Anderson. That name may be changing soon because apparently Facebook doesn't like the word boudoir in Facebook group, type, group titles. So we're looking out for a name change on that. What? I know. It's weird. I almost got put in Facebook jail twice in the last 72 hours because... I'm messaging too many people, apparently, so... Well, you're too popular. Stop it. <laughs> it's COVID season. I just gotta make sure everybody's okay. Right. Okay? And I was so mad at Zuckerberg for not letting me ask that question. <laughs> so, um, if, if you if, if we haven't heard from each other, you shoot me a message. That would be fantastic, because yeah. then I won't get in jail. But anyways, the whole point of that was, because we were just talking about weird things Facebook does. Mm-hmm. So, um... Yeah, so you'll let us know if you change the name of that, yes, obviously, yes, yes. obviously. Okay. Uh, and over here, we've got um, the Good Girls Guide page, which is uh, needs some a little love and attention, but it's I've got stuff going on in just about every other place, so I think that people are getting enough of my face, so that's why I don't stress about it. But you can totally check it out. Um, tons of TED Talks and resources for stuff that's going on right now. Um, you can follow me on Instagram at Vote for Parties, and, of course, on Facebook because I'm getting old and that's where we hang out apparently. Mm-hmm. So follow me over there and get an invite to my private VIP page for feminine energies only of 18 years of older as well for a lot of sexual wellness and intimacy building. It's fan fantastic. I love what's going on over there in that page right there mm-hmm. right, now. Right, now. right there, right there now, right now. All right. So, um, oh, and an empowerment class is supposed to be happening in April too. So wait for that (laughs) online went really really well um so if you are like looking to learn about your life but not wear pants that was kind of the theme um just remember that we can see you though just that kind of seems to be an important note with zoom these days uh if you've never used it you should probably talk to somebody before you do okay so um what we want to talk about today last week was very powerful uh we were our topic was suggested again by a fan um of our, one of our groups who's in the Beginner's Guide to Wellness. And I got some really great messages about that. And it's, it's one of the fastest climbing podcast views. Um, we've had some steady increases, but that one, like, just, like, every time I log into Anchor, it just, bam, 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 bam keeps climbing, which is really exciting. So um, I know that you, what you guys are digging is a lot of growth conversation, which is great, because we can talk about that really honestly all day long, I'm sure, um, and give you a million examples. But uh, I definitely want to focus on some ways that we can try to help inspire you to get yourself moving in the right direction. And I don't, I honestly have a hard time, like, not wanting to talk about my own personal experiences all the time, but it's hard not to, because that's where you grew from, and yeah. that's what you can suggest. And so what I just want, I want to challenge you to do is just try to see yourself in the op- the idea of what we're talking about, and if you can resonate with the individual stories, fantastic as well, but um, it, today's all about trauma and like learning from where you came from and more importantly, understanding why your story matters, which my husband always like gets his little earwig for me where I always like, Oh, you just said the, like the biggest cliche. You just said the biggest cliche. He's like, we always like live your truth. And I'm like, yeah, okay. So what? But when you talk about why your story matters, your story matters. And it does. Um, and 
Jess and I had just like humbly stumbled upon this top topic between one another. I don't even know how it came up, but it's just like it's borderline imposter syndrome, mm-hmm. but it's a little bit it's deeper, I would say. Yeah, it's who am I to think that my story it matters more or is than important? Else's. Yeah, is important. Like, or you hear because I, I like to talk about myself. I do. I like to share my stories. If somebody can learn off of my past mistakes or my past history, then awesome. I feel like I'm helping somebody by talking about myself. I also just really like to send my own voice. Anyways, <laughs> um, but anyways, I feel like part of it is because I hear other people's stories so much, like I, I have conversations with people and I ask them about their life. I'm not just like, oh, cool story, and then walk away. <laughs> I get to hear some really traumatic things from other people's experiences, and I see the emotion sometimes on their faces, and it like it hits me, and I'm just like, oh, well, my story doesn't evoke that kind of emotion from other people, or I don't feel that emotional about my story when I talk about it. So I just, in my head, my monkey mind starts thinking, well, that's because your story doesn't isn't as traumatic. Your story doesn't matter as much as that person's. How dare you think that other people care what you what you have to say? And so, yeah, it's borderline imposter syndrome. Yeah, I would say that too. Um, and for me, it's more about, um, like, the reason, like, I start to be okay with it is because people message and go, I felt that too. Yeah. Like, I, I'm so glad I'm not alone. Well, it's because we, you started this trend for me and I appreciate it because it's helped me in so many areas of my personal relationships outside of your and mine, obviously. And it's helped me in business a lot too. Um, but is, crap, where was I going to go with that? I literally thought bubble just burst. Burst. But, oh, so you, you're getting really good about just saying things without worry of being judged or admitting that you don't understand what something means without the fear of being judged. Mm -hmm. And so being able to talk about things that most people don't talk about gives you the confidence to keep doing that. And it is rubbing off on other people like myself to where we, the people that listen to you speak and you're kind of like our guru. (laughs) Um, But we listen to you and we hear you talk about these things that most people wouldn't feel comfortable talking about right out of the gate. It takes years of personal development and growth to finally be like, I'm okay talking about X, Y, or Z. But it's, I think it's just we, we're all too afraid to be the first person to open our mouth about something. Even something as stupid as like, this is a feminine example from my childhood, but like, like discharge and things like that. Oh yeah, odor. Exactly. Normal. Anything to do with the normal human body functions, like farting, burping, like I was too afraid to admit to anyone that I did those things because, Interesting. Like, media and movies and stuff tell you, oh, Women don't do that. We, women either. don't do that. No. Women don't poop. People don't do that. So, like, it's, it's a real thing for me. Like, I have anxiety around certain bodily functions in public because I'm afraid that people are going to turn and start pointing and, and call me a witch and want to hang me. Like, <laughs> doing certain things. That's but it's, so crazy. It's so, but... It, I can't, I'm not. I can't, I'm not, not connecting with this at all. Really? Uh-uh. See, I, I think it is... I mean, I, I just grew up, down. I grew up in a, a, na- a gross household. Like, my oh, dad yeah, was just no. nasty. No, I grew up in such a household. We didn't talk about things. We well, we didn't say. either, but my dad just, like, ripped all the time. Like, well, so. I grew up in a household without dad, so there you go. Oh, well, that's fair. That's there fair. And mine was nasty. But yeah. um, that's funny that you say that because, so you were talking about, like, for me, like, being able to talk about things. That's because when I was a kid, I was, I was validated by shock factor. Oh, yeah. My parents, my dad especially, got such a rise out of me saying what was on my mind. 
like he was so impressed with it. And as people who know my story know that that was what I craved the most was validation from my father. So that's why I had good grades because he always praised me for that. It, he just got, it genuinely got a kick out of me just being like a smart ass. It, it, yeah, it, he, and I was, I just felt the closest to him when I could make him laugh that, that way. That makes so much sense. Yeah. Because in mine, it was, I needed validation from my mom, and I witnessed my mom bite her tongue and not say what was on her mind, and not put people in their place when she should have. Like, she was very much so a battered woman, and so she just kept her mouth closed, and kept her head down, and survived, mm, and mm-hmm. back then I was like, what are you doing, woman? Like, you should have cussed that person out or whatever. But looking at it now, like, she was in survival mode. Mm-hmm. But so that's what I strive for. I strive for validation for my mom. So I got good grades because she always praised those. And I did all the extracurricular activities because she always praised those. But I didn't speak up because she would... Because she was she, very meek. She would tell me, don't do that. We don't do that. You know? She specifically would say it. Yeah. Yeah. So it's... It's little things like that. That's crazy. Yeah. I I just had that revelation, by the way, as we were having that conversation. Like, yeah, just because I I was so surprised that we were so different because we're so similar now. We are. Which I don't know. I don't know that that's that we're not special to that. That's that's personal development and growth. That's being Mm -hmm. able to have those conversations and recognizing that as as people grow, I think that they become more alike because they have that that like minded value of genuinely wanting to see people do better mm-hmm. it's not it's not about jealousy anymore it's about like you're happy for other people and you want everybody to feel that way and you want everybody to know that it doesn't matter where you came from and I know that's hard to believe and I, I'm not saying it doesn't make the struggle harder it absolutely does but it doesn't make it impossible mm-hmm. um and I think that right now as we get into talking about well, I just made this note. I'll, I'll come back to this. Okay, so so what we were talking about is, like, the reason that we have this recollection is because for people who have traumatic stories, those tend to inspire people more because it's the same philosophy. Like, if you understand how much somebody had to go through to get to where they're at, especially when they become massively successful, like, this is any, you know, rise up story mm-hmm. that you can connect with, Um those tend to shine a little bit more light. And that was the problem for me is that I was just like, yeah, I mean, I grew up in a trailer park, but we did not hurt for money. Like we were okay. Like we were never concerned about where our next meal was going to come from. And I was a middle-class white woman. Like I was very privileged. So I definitely don't think sometimes that I'm like, nobody cares about what happened to me. Like, you know, I, I have very traumatic and emotional experiences that have happened to me, but nothing like some of the, the clients I've coached. And, oh, yeah. um, even some of the women I know that, you know, sexual experiences, I, on a scale of one to 10 would never grade mine more than a, maybe a four. For traumatic Yeah, I mean, well, it, it was like a level 10 experience, like for. For you. No, well, I would just say like. See, this is one of it, okay? Because, like, when I was a young, very young woman, I would say what what I learned afterwards is that I was spousal rape in a relationship. You okay. know what I mean? But it, 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 the, it, but it doesn't feel like, like, I, I don't live in it. I don't. And I, I've never even talked to my therapist about it because it's just not something that I feel like I know how wrecked other women can be by that. But I don't know what it is for me. I just... that didn't define me nearly as much as like the stupid little shit like when I was a kid and I don't know if that's because of that like it was just like well you know it in my list of terrible things it's not nearly as great as other people's so 
or it just in the list of terrible things that have happened in your life, that is not the highest. Definitely not. So it was easier to just kind of shrug it off and walk, like move forward from it because potentially because it wasn't your biggest hurdle. Yeah, I said that's a, a, a good way to describe it. But then I also feel guilty because I'm like, how how dare I not? Like I know that right. other, the way that other women are affected by it, the way that they are, and I, I can't say why mine was less that way, but I can empathize a 1000% on why it would be and how it is. Mm -hmm. So I just wanted to say that, um, because I never talk about that stuff because it doesn't, it's not, it's the, and I think that's why I just, I haven't honestly. And because the stories I continue to hear, I know that for me, it's, I feel like it's a blessing to have been able to move on from it the way that I did, because I want to show other women without them even knowing what my story has been, because it's never important, especially in that moment. But Oh, the one that I think that just really breaks my heart the most that it has ever, it was just the most recent one where there was this girl in an ordering room with me and she's, she's struggling, um, with intimacy in her current relationship. And it definitely sounded like there was a disconnect in terms of like, she didn't seem like she was really attracted to him anymore, mm-hmm. but I'm not entirely sure if it's just not because she has closed walls because somehow some way like slipped up in conversation, just like, because this thing happened to me when I was like 17 and I'm like, well, let's talk about it if you'd like to talk about it kind of thing. And it was, she never told anybody because it was her dad's, somebody that worked with her dad. And mm-hmm. she was worried. She was worried about what would happen. And not to herself, she was worried how that would affect the relationship her dad had with that and how it would affect his business. And I just literally had to say to her three times in a row, it was not your fault. And she just bawled like a baby. She had never told anybody. Mm-hmm. Anybody. So... And it's those things. It's those things like, pff, you you got first world problems. Just shut shut up and sit down. Oh, yeah. And and I think that that's also now where I'm at is because of personal development. You know, like, again, I know a traumatic experience could affect me and wreck me emotionally still to this day. But I'm also very aware that if I bless and release that moment and understand how I had let it had have power over me, then then it, it, it you stop thinking about it as often. Yeah. Makes sense. Well, it's funny because as you're talking about that, I kind of internally was like, oh, well, one of my examples about things that I'm like, oh, what was me? Other people have it worse is like five and a half years ago, I had a miscarriage and I didn't even know I was pregnant. And I have said for year, like since it, since I found out I was pregnant and I didn't find out I was pregnant until I miscarried mm-hmm. that I was like, oh, I miscarried, but it's not a big deal. Like I'm thankful. Like. And I feel like a horrible person saying I'm thankful for the fact that I did not go to term with that pregnancy because it was not a relationship that I wanted to birth a child from. And I'm not, this is not like an abortion or anything, but that wouldn't have been an option in my head. And so I'm just like, I'm thankful that things happened the way that they did. And But I always felt bad saying that because I knew so many people around me that would have killed to have a child. Yeah, yeah. And so I felt like a monster being like, how dare you? Be not be appreciative of that gift. And not be like emotionally wrecked right yeah now. it's like how dare who do you think you are that you're not crying over this but then when i like come full circle it's like but if i were to go through that experience now now that i'm in a stable relationship a healthy relationship like a relationship where we want to have a child that would wreck me yeah like, yeah so it's i almost feel more human now knowing that i'm capable of feeling grief over something like that because for a while it was kind of like why don't you feel grief about it but now i'm like oh that was just be- truthfully because it wasn't a great relationship. Right. It wasn't a relationship at all. 
And now, like, now... It wasn't an ideal environment to raise a child. Exactly. Yeah. Like, now it is an ideal situation. So, so it means something now. It means yeah. something. And I get that because it's it's life. It's form of life. Yeah. And people can, like, desecrate you oh, for yeah. having having your own thoughts about the subject. Mm -hmm. You do not have to believe anybody else's to a T. Like that's why it's called a belief. All mm -hmm. right. You, I, I, I cannot stress enough that that is the thing that kept me away from organized religion for the longest time is because, because that's how I felt that oh, a lot yeah. of people were. And that was, and that was my personal experience Same. to organized religion. And I know obviously today that is not everybody. Um, but there has to be, there has to be more give in, in forgiveness when you talk about people's beliefs. It's not an opinion. It's a belief. And that matters, I think. That matters. So um, for me, I, I well, here's what I'm going to challenge you all to do is we start to talk about, like, I, I'll talk. That's my subject, I think, is all day long. I'll talk about how I know that my dad neglected me emotionally. And I think that's just because I'm so unbelievably proud of myself somehow, some way before I'd even started personal development. I figured this out like shortly after I think like my son was born, like when I was just breaking up with my boyfriend for the 17,000th time, I was like, you've got problems, dude. You, you clearly are seeking value in men right now or always, always I had done it. I honestly have not been single since the third grade. Like I started dating your boyfriend <laughs> And that started, Sorry. he was my very first boyfriend. <laughs> my boyfriend was your very first My very first real boyfriend. Yeah. Like, I had this other boy in the trailer park once, but he never <laughs> asked me out. It wasn't official. Did Brett actually ask you out? <laughs> oh, yeah, I'm pretty sure. It was, like, on a note, you know, like, tech yes or no. I'm oh pretty God, I sure. About that tonight. I don't really remember. No, I don't really remember how it happened, but, yes, we were, like, officially called boyfriend-girlfriend. It still cracks me up. Like, sometimes <laughs> I forget about it, and then someone reminds me, and it just kills me for days. Like, it's yeah. too funny it's just such a small world um and now i live on that street that i lived on when i was a kid yeah, so it's, cool. it's just a whole circle for real for real I'm, I'm supposed to be having all the epiphanies i can in this house for that reason exactly so yeah no i started dating in the third grade and i, I remember getting so much shit from my parents because they would be like when you say you're going out with him like where do you think you're going like <laughs> It's just what we say, okay? It's just what we say. I was uh, telling boys I love them by the time I was in seventh grade. Um, I was doing way too much with boys in middle school, but I wanted to. Mm -hmm. It was never a high-pressure situation for me, ever. Nah. No, not in middle school for sure. I I wrecked friendships over boys. We I think we've talked about mm -hmm. that too, like... I I can openly say that I screwed over women that I loved and cared about because I needed to prove to myself that my value was higher by stealing a man from them. Now, this is not a defense. I'm just going to say, like, I didn't, I did not go after men intentionally. This was, like, men that were mine first. <laughs> how, how, that is my insecure ego kicking yeah. in right there to, def to defend that you were behavior. a different person. I was a different, well, I mean, I was... 13. Yes. You're I was 13 at that time. You're a completely different person now. It's okay yes. to just be like, I was a shithead. I, I was a shithead. <laughs> shit yeah, I was, I was desperate for attention. And, so and my parents had like no idea that this kind of stuff was going on um, for the most part. Like my parents never talked to me about school. They never asked me about boys. I mean, they, that was the thing they gave me the most crap about, but it wasn't. Like a, hey, this is, these are the consequences of your actions kind of conversations? Number one. And number two, they, you know, they weren't ever just asking me how I was, like, checking in with me, ever. Ever. 
during like the peak of like when I was the most popular and trying to you know find my identity kinds of things. Ugh, it was terrible. It's so funny. It, like, we're such the same person, but we're, we have such different experiences growing up because while I had, like, early experiences with boys, like, there was one in particular that was, like, my first boyfriend, and we dated for, like, three years when we were, like, in elementary into middle school, and he was a year older than me, so I thought he was so cool, but, like, we did thing, like, we never had sex, I'll put that out there, because we're so young, but, like, we... We covered all the other bases, basically, and I was very young. I was very willing. Like this, what this was age? something that I, um, fuck. I was probably in like third or fourth grade when we started kissing, and by the time I got to middle school, we had covered all the bases except for having sex. So by middle school, interesting, I had given my first blowjob, had been finger like all of yeah, these. Like, yeah. like when you say it out loud, it's like oh that's weird, but like at the time I was just like. I'm so cool. Well, I know, but if you, if you, yeah, like, if you were to say, like, like that right now, like, 13, if you have 13 and 14-year-old children, they're probably doing these things, people are there, like, <gasps> but then I'm like, I'm saying that because I, I was, yeah, that, I was that's, doing it. That's I'm telling you. Yeah. It's not in every household, but you better check yourself if you think it's not a possibility. Right? But so, yes, so I had very older, I had experiences with boys when I was very young, very mature, but it's almost like I... I got to the point where I was like, okay, the next step is having sex. And I literally was just like, and that's not for me. And kind of like walked away from all boys for the rest of time. Because I was like, I, I know I'm smart enough to know the consequences of my actions. And I literally didn't have a boyfriend from the time that that guy and I broke up. And I I honestly, like you're saying, telling boys you love, I thought we were going to get married and have kids. Like I had, I so did I at such a young age. I mean, he told me we were married by the way, (laughs) seventh grade. But then, like, I had, I didn't have boyfriends in middle school, like, middle school, high school, didn't have boyfriends. I went out on a couple of really bad dates, but, like, didn't have a lot of sexual experiences with boys. And then it was, like, once I got into college age, I had, you know, obviously had had sex by then, didn't, still didn't have boyfriends. I kind of was in this mindset of, well, I've made it through life this far. I don't need a boyfriend. I've seen all of my friends go through boy from boy from boy. So I'm just going to use men for what I need them for and then Mm, kick them mm -hmm, out. mm -hmm. And so I was very closed off. And I think, and that was another form of, or that was my version of daddy issues was, I'm going to let you get close, just close enough to fulfill what I need, but I'm not going to let you get close enough. You can't hurt me. To hurt me. Yeah. And I, yeah, (laughs) see, we were totally opposite. Totally opposite. opposite. I I was like, I told my, like my boyfriend at 14 that I was ready to have sex. I didn't have sex with him. Um, but that was only because the next guy that I, that I started dating did when I was 15. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah. And that was my, de- it was, I wish I would have waited, but it, in, in the moment I can't say that it wasn't my decision. Yeah. So that sucks. But here's what I would challenge everybody that's listening to do is for yourself to start. Di- like, if, I mean, these are revelations. Like these are not things that we knew Mm-mm. all our lives. No. You, you have to dig and discover and a lot of people will never because it they think that it is so potentially painful that they could die from it mm-hmm. or they don't even know where to begin. Oh yeah. And they're hard conversations. They're to me, I'm not gonna lie, sometimes um I mean it's like like in a moment if I'm uncomfortable, it's why am I uncomfortable? what's pulling at me and what, what emotion am I feeling? So you I mean you very much really have to relive it. 
to to get through it, in my opinion. I think so, too. Because it will stir up. I mean, it's just natural. Like, we talk about, like, fear, right? So fear, there's real fear, fake fear. Body doesn't know the difference. It will react the same way. Stress increases. You start to sweat, whatever. That's why I sweat on my lives still. Mm-hmm. Why am I sweating on a live? People don't friggin' know that I'm, you know, that whatever. So real fear, so the body reacts is my point. So you relive a story, you will physically relive the emotion. Then that's why it's so burned in your subconscious. But, but the, what I said earlier go, is true here too. It goes back to you begin to heal. You'll stop thinking about it as often as you were. Mm-hmm. You'll begin. You begin to heal. You'll stop triggering yourself as much. You begin to heal. You'll stop like pushing down the emotion because you're too afraid to feel it. Well, and it's. I think to go hand in hand, hand with that is that there's a lot of people that never get to, to the healing portion of it because they live in that yes, pain cycle, that reaction, their physical reaction that their body is having pumps adrenaline yeah. and it's, a, it's, it's a dopamine. Yep. It's dopamine. Yeah. 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 And sometimes if they feel like their, their current status in life is so bland, so boring, thinking about those traumatic events kicks in that. Yep. That sweating and that high blood pressure and that that's why people pain. become like, addicted to their story. Yes, and yeah. so they keep reliving the pain without actually think sitting down and analyzing why does it still make me feel this way? What can I learn from the situation? How can I better better handle it in the future? So, if you're if you feel like you're always constantly stuck in a like thinking about your traumatic experiences, but you don't feel like you're healing from it. And not even thinking about the experience per se, just you're having the emotions. Yeah. If you if something right now you're like, yeah, that does, like my anxiety gets higher, my, my breath shortens, like your body tenses up. Yeah. That's a trigger. It's it not, is. it is not, your body did not create that out of nowhere. No, it, but it's, I feel like, I don't want to be like rude to anyone listening to this, but if you feel like that might be you, like you might, and you want to get better, like you need to take a step back and and realize that, there's another step to living through your traumatic experiences. It's not just to think about them. It's to learn from them and right. heal from them and right. forgive yourself, forgive the other person, whatever. Right. But heal. Right. 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 Cause that's the part that we, that most people don't do like you were saying. Yeah. And part of that is because like, especially if somebody played a part in your mm-hmm. trauma, it's very hard. I think, you know, like it's easy to say, forgive your abuser because people are like, I don't want to. Mm-hmm. How well, they don't deserve my forgiveness? They don't. No, they don't deserve it. it. It's not for them. It's not for them. And that's a second cliche. Is for me, I had to fully understand what whatever it was. Like, why am I holding on to it? Is because I want them to hurt as well mm-hmm. as what I think it is. In whatever capacity, somebody bullied you, somebody physically harmed you, somebody emotionally tore you apart. Uh, you want them. You want them to pay. Yeah. And if you forgive them, then what does that mean? That they get off the hook? Right. And that's, I think that's the hard part about it. But that cliche thing, <laughs> we're on like number eight, if you're <laughs> keeping track, right? You can't drink poison and hope your enemies will die. Exactly. That's what it is. If you don't tell them how you feel, then what are you even doing? Right. And what, what does telling them get you? Okay. So I'm not saying that you can't confront the person that hurt you, uh, but this is something, especially for one particular little bird of mine, I'm coaching constantly is why does it matter? Why does it matter if you get your point across? Will it change their mind or will it fuel their fire? Right. And for some people, you might get exactly what you need in terms of an apology, but then what? Exactly. Then what? Like my- then what happens when you still have the pain cycle? Right. My biggest example of, well, okay, first of all, my biggest struggle with getting to the healing portion of things was 
nobody told me how you actually, what the steps you have to take to actually forgive someone. Yeah. What does forgiveness actually look like? Instead of just saying, they say you're sorry, you accept it. That's not it. No. And I got so irritated with people just being like, just forgive your dad. Just forgive him. Just forgive him. Like, how? Fucker. Yeah. Like, how do I fucking yeah. Like, yeah. I, I, I want to be in that space. I, yeah. <laughs> like, I don't want to have such negative bodily reactions to when people ask me about my childhood or ask me about my relationship with my parents or anything. Like, I don't want to have those negative reactions. But for years, I'm talking like, I haven't talked to my biological father in like 15 years, 13 years now. I can't even remember. That's how long it's been. It's been over a decade that I have had an estranged relationship with my father. And for a dec over a decade, members of my own family have been like, well, why don't you just forgive him? Why don't you just forgive him? You just need to forgive and forget. He's your dad. And blah, blah, blah. And that's a whole nother story. You don't have to forgive people just because you're your relative. Mm-hmm. I'm not saying that. But I, w- I was frustrated because I was like, I don't know how to forgive. Nobody's ever shown me what you actually do to forgive somebody. So for me, it was learning that forgiving the other person means that you you stop holding it over them, what they did. So like for, for my example with my dad is that I had to stop waiting for his apology. I had to truly just get to the point where I didn't need an apology for him. I had to look at things from his point of, like to get to that point, I had to look at things from his point of view. Like he was an alcoholic when I was very little. He was abusive. Like he lashed out. And then my biggest, it's almost, it's shitty to say this. My biggest struggle isn't the alcohol. It it wasn't the abuse. My biggest struggle was that when he met his second wife, he completely sobered up. He became the the perfect father figure to my step-siblings and made this perfect happy life. But I felt forgotten about. I felt like he had gotten this new family and tried to bring me and my siblings into it, but wasn't addressing any of the issues that we had had. And then just just figured that we would all just get along and act like nothing ever happened yeah. with the abuse and the alcohol. And so my, like, my biggest thing came to, I had to just be okay with, or understand that he was doing the best he could. With what that, he knew. With what he knew, because when you take it a step, a generation back, and you look at his bringing up, his dad didn't show emotion. His dad was a hard ass. His dad probably drank and was probably abusive. And so he was doing the things that he knew. Mm -hmm. And so now as an adult, I can look at my childhood and be like, well, it wasn't as terrible as some other people's. You know, we never landed in the hospital from broken bones or anything like that um, from from abuse. So like, it wasn't as bad as it could have been. But now it's to the point where I'm like, but all of that stuff made me the person that I am today. So I'm kind of okay with all of the shit that I went through as a child because out of all of my siblings, I am mentally and physically, like, maybe not physically, but I'm mentally the strongest. I'm the most stable. I have the best head on my shoulders, like, because of the situation that I was put in as the middle child in a house of abuse. Like, that just made me who I am. So now it's, when I think of my father, I don't get angry. I don't get sad. I don't want to cry. It's it's more of, I'm embarrassed that it took me 14 years or what, however long to get to this point. Like, I don't think you need to be embarrassed about it because you, you had to learn on your own. You know what I mean? Yeah. But I've gotten to the point now where I still haven't talked to him because I feel like we need to have a sit-down conversation. And I thought that that was going to happen at Christmas and then it didn't. So then I got let down, disappointed, whatever. But it's, I have come leaps and bounds from where I was as a hurt 14-year-old child realizing that my dad didn't, wasn't there for me in the ways that I needed him to be. Right. And so now it's, now I'm in a healthy relationship with another man, like, because I've, I've gotten to that self-development point and I understand where I went wrong and where my dad went wrong and I know that that won't affect my relationship with Brett mm-hmm. which is yeah powerful. yeah powerful. yeah you don't bring that baggage yeah 
Well, you brought it, but you unpacked it. I unpacked it. Yeah. And it, hel- it helped that he has a similar situation with his family. And so, but not with abuse and alcohol and everything, but with the estrangement of his dad. And so we were able to talk through it, both of us together. And now we both have a better understanding of our each other of each other yeah. and our upbringings and why certain things trigger us. So yeah, having conversations really helps. Yeah, it definitely ties back into communication because that's like the most underutilized tool I would have to say. And um, I literally wrote down as you were speaking, yes, you have to know what they're suffering from. Uh, the person that hurt you, they, I, I don't know psychologically what a percentage of people that are just born with bad brains. You know, there mm-hmm. are people that are just, yeah, it happens. But majority of people that hurt other people, it's not intentional. It's because something happened to them mm-hmm. in their in, in their in their past. So it's crazy to me. I get goosebumps just like like I watched this documentary about uh, the Catholic Church mm-hmm. and the accusations yeah. there, uh, and mostly from I don't remember. It was it, it was not a documentary made from the United States, and okay. so it's kind of like more prevalent from wherever I was watching it. It was a while back. I'd have to watch it. It, it, But, but in this moment, right. So one of the people that was being interviewed had a hidden camera and he went and confronted the guy that had abused him. And you like, you could just, it was, it's, uh, it's almost hard, but almost disgusting to have to say, like, you just felt for this guy. Like you, he just was like, I'm just, I'm so sorry. Like you could just tell years it had been just eating him alive. He Mm -hmm. just, Oh, he looked like he was 20 years older than he was supposed to be, whatever. So, you know, it was just in that moment to have empathy for somebody because you could see it was just like this. It was what I knew. Mm-hmm. It had happened to him. It was what he knew. And I don't know what it is about the human brain that breaks in that moment. That's like, you're going to replicate this unless you fix it. Mm-hmm. And that's what happens. That's what happens. So understanding that I think that if if you if you have some person that you can't let go of some resentment to do some research on other people that have done it to other people maybe like if you can understand that like people that are willing to share their story because that what was most moving about that documentary is that one of the men that had basically come out and admitted to to raping little boys was like explained why like it was like I don't I don't want to feel this way he's like but it's it's what I know he's like there's something inside of me that triggers well it triggers because your brain formed a memory mm-hmm. so when you were taken advantage of your brain formed this memory is oh this is what sex is to me this is what intimacy is to me this is what being close to somebody is to me so that's why I do it he's like I don't want to do it and it, it was just it was an incredibly powerful interview it was so hard to, you know, like I said, walk that line of being like, this is, this is terrible. This is gut wrenching, but it makes sense. It makes sense. It makes sense. It's not an excuse. It's about understanding and understanding that people are human beings and we do make mistakes and I'm not, it's not a defense. Like, I don't know how no. many times I can say that, but <laughs> yeah, it's just still... about, it's, it's about, I think it's for me, it's like understanding what's wrong with the world. Like when you ask so many questions, you said, why God, why? Well, this is why. Well, it's why am I, why wasn't I enough? in the world to ne- for this to happen like not happen to like why yeah, why am i not important enough yeah why why wasn't i enough of a human being to not get molested why wasn't i enough of a human being or enough of why didn't i matter enough yeah matter enough i think that's the way to yeah, say it to for this to not happen to me whatever and in my example why wasn't why didn't i matter enough in my dad's life 
for him to make me a priority. And so... Or be sober when he was your be, dad. Yeah, exactly. When he when he had his chance to be my dad, why didn't he take it? Why why did it take him finding a new wife and a new house and Why were children? they good enough? Exactly. Yeah. So that was really hard for me to get over. And maybe on some level I'm still getting over it. Yeah, yeah. But because it's... Because you don't have any closure. Yeah, exactly. Not yet. It'll happen. Um, but yeah, it, I... Maybe just now in this moment, if I'm being completely honest, like it's it's making those connections in my brain where it wasn't so much about why wasn't I enough. It was it, it's very much so what did my dad go through as a child? What did mm-hmm. he what did, what life experiences did he go through that that was the only way he could cope with? Correct. Because he was in the military. He did, did live through Desert Storm and like all of these things. So it's, as a small child, I could not comprehend any of that. Right. I, I was not. Well, PTSD wasn't even a thing yet. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. And. And as a child, it is not expected of you to be able to look past the here and the now and to look mm. into your, your parents' past. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But as an adult who has suffered through trauma, you can re- you can choose to reflect on, well, it's not an excuse. He still is accountable for his actions. But as, on a human being level, I understand why it happened. Right. And in this moment, I have the choice of repeating the cycle or making a conscious effort of doing better. So I feel like that's where the healing comes in is is getting to the point where you have the conscious knowing that you have the choice to break the cycle or to repeat it. And that's, that's where I get my power from. Yeah. Like with my bonus kids and my relationship, which is powerful. It's powerful. Yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, I can guarantee majority of people, I know that uh, there's so many different ways a family can be. Whoever your caregiver was, I'm just going to speak like blanket, like saying Mm -hmm. mom and dad. Right. So whoever your caregiver was, um, I, I would challenge you to really think about whose attention did you crave the most? And this is a separate question than who did you love the most, mm-hmm. right? Because I could easily say, like, I connected with my mother more. My mother and I were very close. My mother and I were, like, best friends. But I 100% craved my father's attention more. Same. Uh, yeah, right? Because you didn't get it. Exactly. And that's why you wanted it. Yeah. So you need to start there. And for those of you that maybe had fantastic parents, they loved each other very genuinely. They so you know, what I was say, Tone and I are like kind of right now, you know, <laughs> we're trying to set that example for our children. Um, but it, maybe it was a friendship. Maybe well, it maybe it was a friendship, but, but what I was going to say is like, if your parents were loving and supportive, did they F you up still? Did they not provide you with responsibilities? Did they kind mm-hmm. of let you, like, even if you guys got along and you weren't a spoiled brat, but did you have accountability? Did you, like, my parents also screwed me here. They 100% screwed me. I barely had any chores. I was babysat by the TV, and this is not a sting at my parents because I always, this is my my revelation is that, okay, well, let me tell you. This is going to go three layers deep for Christ's sake. This is ridiculous. So, um, food, I could, I, I don't blame my parents because they grew up when the height of convenience was happening. Mm-hmm. So microwavable dishes and blah, 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 so on and so forth. That's not my parents' fault anymore. Like I've let that go. That, that was my, should have been my responsibility. But like the TV, the same thing. TV was just fairly new where you could afford to have multiple TVs that were colors that had remote controls. Like I'm an 85 baby. Okay. So uh, <laughs> you can, you can, you are like, what? A remote control? Yeah. I don't even think we had a black and white TV, but um, the same thing. It was new, right? It wasn't how nobody knew what, it, what effects it had or lack thereof. Uh, but yeah, no chores. Um, by the time I entered the workforce, like I knew what it meant to work hard, but I had terrible work ethic. Like I was so entitled that you know, I'll get this time off that I want. If not, I'm just going to call in whatever. Mm-hmm. I did that in every single effing job I had, which is 
pathetic. It's pathetic. It's embarrassing as hell, especially because I, I, I don't have the best work schedule, but I pride myself in my work ethic now. Which is so funny because I'm the exact opposite. I had the best work ethic because no. I was involved in so much. I wanted to be away from home as much as possible. So in school, I was involved in every single extra. I, fu- I coasted through so much stuff. I had, I had the best work ethic. Like, Take this my, is so take, weird. Take my example for Toys R Us. I started. Oh there. yeah, yeah, yeah. I was, I was hired when we on, met each other. Yeah, I was yeah. hired on as part-time overnight stock crew. Like, but it was seasonal work. I was hired on as a seasonal worker. Within a week of working there, they demoted someone else to promote me. And within seven months or nine months after that, I was promoted to a human resources supervisor position. <laughs> within a year, I was promoted to a regional resource position. So basically, assistant to the regional manager. This is ridiculous. Like. That's how good my work ethic was. And then something happened in my 20s, and I was just kind of like, well, this isn't getting me anywhere, so fuck it. <laughs> I've been working so hard <laughs> for so little. I've been so hard for so little. So now it's, well, now I can work a little bit and get just as much. So my work ethic has retracted so much. It's ridiculous. It's oh, ridiculous. No, somebody somebody I very much love had said to me once, like, um, I had been like, I said, it was something along the lines of calling in to my job, and they were like, well, it was like, well, I wouldn't want you as an employee, but I'm not going to judge you kind of thing. And I'm like, damn, that was yeah. harsh. You told me who told you that. I know, but I'm not going to say who no, it was. No, but it's, it's ring true in my brain yeah. sometimes. Like, yeah, and and, I, and I'm and i not mad or angry about it. Even in the moment, I, I, I'm surprised that I wasn't resentful for the statement because it, oh, it, okay. it changed my life. Yeah. It changed my life because somebody I loved and cared about and uh, uh, valued their opinion so highly for them to say that about me, I was like... Oh, that's gross. Yeah. Like, I don't want to be that person. I Since, want people to think that I work hard because I thought I, well, I didn't, I was, in my, in my day job, I was not working hard. It was probably two, maybe a year or two ago that you told me that story for the first time and it ran through <laughs> in my head so much that I, not so much with business stuff, yeah, but yeah. with friendships, sure. I'll be like, oh, I really don't want to go do this thing with this friend, but then I'd be like, but if my friend canceled on me out consistently, I fucking hate him. Yeah, so you're yeah, gonna, yeah. you committed to it, you're going to show up, you're going to go do the thing. Yeah. And so it's, that's so funny that little <laughs> things that said person says uh, just so stick out in our, yeah. in our Yeah. Brains. Yeah. So I'm going to bring this to um, the full circle point here because we're talking about like living from your, learning from your traumas um, and triggers and things like that. This, the most important, the most important reason I do this work is for my bonus son. Because I, some people know that I struggled very, very hard with connecting with him in the beginning of my relationship with my husband. And it's not a story that I'm proud of, but it's a story that I have shared on Facebook. Mm-hmm. Um, it was one of the hardest things I ever had to talk about. But I wanted other stepmoms to to know that they're not alone if they if they, if they struggle with it. But more so it was very healing for me because I was able to figure out that honestly the shortest story possible is that he just he is me as a child he reminds me so much of who I was being soft-hearted very artistic um there's a number of things I could list but it was realizing that I was treating him the way that my father treated me because that's what I knew Mm -hmm. that's what I knew and more so like that I think is that might be ego-based per se, because I think the larger portion of that is that seeing it in him made me insecure again. 
Yeah. Yeah, because I was seeing it. And more importantly, I was seeing it in action and somebody was praising him because my husband loves his child unconditionally and everything he, you know, he, he it wants comes, to do. It comes back to the why wasn't I enough for right. my dad. And this person that has given me a healthy relationship as a male figure, so who has been able for me to heal more so from my relationship with my father, right? But now he's giving that positive attention to this person that I never got, mm-hmm. more resentful. Mm-hmm. And never even ever mad at my husband. Always just really resentful of the thing that I was supposed to be or get love from, you know, being my true authentic self mm-hmm. and not getting it, I think. So um, that's still a work in progress every single day. Like I, ugh, I'm, I'm way better than I ever have been. And um, what I've noticed is like, for an example, I'm just going to be, I'm just going to give this out there too. So uh, one of the things I think that Quentin struggles with is eating and weight as well. And he has come so far and he's like, you know, he'll ask a gym with me. Um, he's, 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 and he's lost 40 pounds by the way, which is really exciting. Yeah. Um, but I find myself like when I would, I wouldn't audibly make a noise or make like, ugh, just be an asshole about like asking for a snack or, Something uh, terrible, terrible. But again, in that moment, it's me. Like I can, I can remember like a specific moment one time, like when I was eating cereal, and my dad was like, "Do you realize like how many, how much, how many serving sizes are in that bowl right now?" And it was so embarrassing and hurtful. And the truth of the matter was, no, I did not. I was like maybe twelve or thirteen, but nobody had ever been teaching me about nutrition. Nobody had ever been telling me like what I should and shouldn't be eating. So no, I had no idea. But the amount of shame that came out of that statement, like forever, killed me. Oh yeah. Until you know the last couple of years or whatever. So to me now, it's like this thing to him where I will just say what it should be said instead of the way my dad said it to me is, "Hey, I just wanted you to check to see like." Do you really feel like you're hungry right now? Or is it just because, you know, it's been a couple of hours, uh, you know, like actually asking the right questions and saying like, like, I, I want you to know that this is not to make you feel bad, but I just remember myself as a kid, I would do the same thing that you're doing right now. And I just need you to kind of, you know, shift and pivot your, your, uh, your vision on it. Like if, if your perspective is the way it is, that's okay. But I know that you know, it doesn't go into this great length, but it, it was, it's this, it's a short statement, but it's the explanation to myself is that. I need to make sure this kid feels loved and supported in the decisions he's going to make when he's eating food right now, instead of feeling like she doesn't like me or she, she, she's embarrassed of me or whatever, Mm -hmm. like the same things that I felt as a child. (sighs) This is such a universe conversation because just a couple weeks ago, and I've been, it's been eating away at me is that Rory is five. Okay. She's a, she's perfectly healthy weight. She's perfectly whatever, but she, when she comes to our house, I think it's because they don't get junk food at their mom's house because she's um, more plant-based than we are at ours house. Mm-hmm. So she doesn't buy a lot of processed food. She Rory asks for chips 30 times a day. 30 times a day. Can I have chips? Can I have chips? She could literally just get done eating and saying that she's full. And then two seconds later, can I have chips? Mm-hmm. And there was one day that I was so frustrated with life and not her. But she came up to me and she had asked me like six times a day, can I have chips? And I was like, no, because I don't want you to get fat. And I walked away and I froze in my steps. And I was like, you cannot talk that way to a five-year-old. Mm-hmm. Like, it's not that you don't want her to get fat because she's not going to get fat right now. It's that she, if she eats chips right now, she's not going to eat her dinner that is more nutritious and healthier. So she can have a healthy snack if she's hungry, but she has to wait until after she eats dinner to have the junk food. Because mm-hmm. I don't want her to fill up on that. But it's, I, did, I don't know how to have those 
healthy food conversations with children because nobody had them with me. Mm-hmm. And that's my, one of my biggest struggles is, is food because I witnessed my mom use food to cope with the abuse from my dad. And I saw my dad use food to cope with the, the, I don't know how to say it, word it, but he used food as an escape from dealing with us. Like he would constantly be in the kitchen fixing food for himself or eating a bag of chips or whatever so that he always had, it seemed like he always had food in his mouth. changing his state of mind. So that he didn't have to deal with us or to talk to us about whatever was going on in our lives. So that's my relationship with food is based off of what I know with my parents and my sister. Oh, there's one time I've been on every, I was on every diet known to man in middle school because Mm -hmm. my mom was trying to change my perspective about food, but we weren't getting to the root of the problem. Sure. And I had been on the, the Mayo Clinic diet or something for like two weeks straight. And it was on like day 13. I decided to have a cookie. I like splurged. And my sister, she's like, well, you know, the last, everything that you did for the last two weeks is two weeks is ruined, right? Like you're just going to be fat forever. And that one moment, that one statement by my sister has sabotaged in my own head, has sabotaged every diet I've ever been on. Because it's the second I have cheat, something, yeah. I mm-hmm. literally go, oh, well. All this work is ruined, so I might as well just binge eat for the rest of the night because you're hungry. Oh, you better stop that. Girl, girl <laughs> I'm getting there. But it's it's recognizing, like, I'm personal development has been so great because we've had this conversation before when, even when you say, like, you got to hear your heal your six-year-old self or hear your, heal your 12-year-old self, I never connected with that because I'm like, I don't remember what age this stuff, my trauma happened. So it never, like, clicked in my head that it's not necessarily healing the physical six Things that happened in year six. Yeah. It's healing <laughs> Just that those, memory. Yeah, yeah. Healing those memories that triggered other habits in yeah. your life. So for me with food, it's not only the memory of my parents, but it's also getting past that, that mentality that my sister instilled in me because now, yeah. now I've had the nutritional um, education right. that I know different and I know that it's better to have one cookie From and, time to and time. cheat yeah. on your diet, quote unquote, cheat. To have one cookie versus, oh, you have one cookie, now feel guilty and eat the whole package. It, right. And then do it three days in a row. Exactly. Yeah. I can resonate with that too. I 100% can resonate with that. And that's that's the thing is that, like you're saying, is that those are two separate, technically three separate instances about two different things, about food mm-hmm. and diet. Mm-hmm. And so you will have multiple memories like this. And, you know, that's why, whatever you got to do, record it, write it down, um, you know, just work through it, whatever, talk to somebody about it, however it needs to, to process for Find you. Find a personal development buddy and t- just have yeah, a conversation. Yeah, that too, that too. Uh, and know that it's, some sometimes it'll be one conversation and done, and sometimes it's going to be, you talk about it till you're blue in the face. <clears throat> and It's kind of like therapy. Yeah, it's, it is huh, identi- identically to therapy, except, you know, a trained professional can also give you skill sets to yeah. move forward, and I think that's part of why I'm a able to is because my tool belt is full with emotional tools that I never had before, which is quite ironic guys, because just last week my dad stopped by and we are closer than we've ever been before, which uh, makes me very happy. But, uh, there on our gratitude board, we, for our family, we also have like a list of topics that we're going to cover. And, you know, one of them is about sex, sexuality, uh, puberty and things like that. And my, my dad was like, I don't know what he said, something to the tune of like, you guys, you guys talk about erections with your mom. And I said, well, yeah, 
they have to. Like, I have to have these conversations with them. I was like, because somebody didn't have it for me. And, like, uh, I don't know what my dad said. I said, do you even remember what our conversation was? He's like, well, yeah, I'm pretty sure it was like, uh, you know, blah, 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 blah. And I'm like, it was nothing like that. It was nothing like that. I was like, you literally asked me, do you have any questions? And I was like, about what? And he was like flabbergasted. Like he was like, uh, are you sure? And like my little 12 year old pipe seven was like, yeah, that was your responsibility, grandpa. And I'm like, that's right. It was. Well, see, that's I, right. It was. I've brought it up to my mom before. Cause I've posted in my private client groups about like, oh, what was your experience yeah. with your parents talking to you? And my mom's in my group and she commented on there. Cause I said, I was like, because my parents never talked to me about it. And my mom got defensive. And she's like, but that's because you never wanted to talk about it. Anytime I brought it up. And I'm like, but that's your job. <laughs> yeah. Of course, no 12-year-old girl can be like, sure, let's talk about sex, Yeah, mom. or like, know what to talk exactly. about. Exactly, yeah, so. And the conversations you have with your parents are very different from what you have with your friends. Oh, 100%. And that was like, that's the number one thing we drive home to our kids is, but your parents is probably not true. So you should probably talk to us about it. And if you're not going to, we're going to make you. But anyway, um, so I, I I think that there's not a, there's not a clear blueprint on how to, to do these kinds of things. It is just, it is a process. Oh, yeah. It's a process and it's an ever-growing process. And I just, I, I just challenge people to make it through a couple because I almost find it addicting. Like I, I go searching now for, like I had said, like when the, when the emotion arises within me and I'm like, I don't like this. Okay. Well, what is it? What is it that, why are you feeling the way that you're feeling and what's triggering it? Okay. Well, if it was triggering it, where did it stem from? If where it stemmed from, what, what cemented it so hard in your brain at this moment that it's affecting you 15 plus years later. Mm-hmm. And I, I use addiction very lightly with it, but I just feel like it's just the faster you grow, the faster you become the person you're supposed to be and the faster you can manifest and the faster you can put energy and focus into the things that really matter and, you know, executing goals, strategies, whatever. So you're not wasting all of this precious energy. Like, oh, today I'm not even gonna lie. I was like falling asleep on the floor with the kids. Like, I'm like, uh, we're on week three of everybody at home. I'm gonna count this as a win that I've only needed like one solid break day. I don't even care. But I can remember like when Cole was Olivia's age, that that's all I ever did was just like, we just laid around, we watched movies, you know, we just whatever, because we were just so brainwashed into not doing any of the things because nobody told me to do them. Nobody told me to set goals. Nobody told me to do like the right thing all the time. Um, and it, when you didn't, it was okay as long as you did it right the next time or whatever, learn from your mistakes kinds of things. So whatever it is that's holding you back, I just get started. That's the first thing you have to do is people always say, what are you doing? What are you doing? What are you doing? I'm like, you don't want to know. And we don't have enough time for me to go through every single thing that I'm doing. Um, but you have to just get started and choose a place ask the question, whatever it is. And know that it takes time and you're not going to climb Mount Kilimanjaro in, day, in one day. Like, Ooh, you picked a good one. I never say because I'll F it up. I know. I always I say it Everest. I know. Yeah. <laughs> Kilimanjaro. <laughs> but you're not going to, you know, build the Great Wall of China in one day. Yeah. It, it takes time. Rome wasn't built in a day. Yeah. You're not going to lose. I, that was the last one that came You're not going to lose all the weight overnight. You're not going to, you're definitely not going to process your emotions yeah. overnight. You're not going to, Go to therapy once and be healed. Oh, that one needs to, you write that down. (laughs) Write that down. You push the back button 15 seconds and write it down. Therapy does not happen in one session. No. And it's okay if you're not really feeling the person you're with. They won't take it offensively. I mean, they might, I mean, on an ego-based level, but they will also know, you know, the grand scheme of things is that you got to find somebody that you can feel comfortable enough to expose these vulnerabilities to so that they can teach you that it's okay 
to heal, but also to share it with other people. My little PSA plug-in about therapy is that if you go to therapy a couple of times and you're feeling good and you're feeling positive and you're like, oh, maybe ther- I'm done with therapy. Maybe I don't need to go to therapy. That's a you're, lie. You're not talking about the shit you need to talk about in therapy. Oh, that's a good That's a good point. Because I... They, it, that's a good this point. year that was me that I went to therapy like six weeks in a row and I was like you know what I think that I'm good I think that I'm you know I'm healed I've, I've touched base on all of the little things that I wanted to talk about in therapy but then the very next session that I, and I told my therapist that I was like oh I don't know if I need to come back to therapy in, in a week or two and she's like oh well let's try two weeks and we'll see how it goes and I came in in the very next session she didn't even ask me any questions and I was like uh. I was like okay I haven't been completely honest about a couple of things and I, I want to touch base on them again and I cried in therapy that very next session. And it's clear to me that... You're building up your confidence to... Yes. Yeah. 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 But it, it's clear to me that it, it's good to feel good about therapy, but it's better to feel like you're actually Processing. being honest. Yeah. yeah. And, and getting everything off of your chest. And I feel like in therapy, that's the one place where I don't hold back anything. Oh, like, me too. Like, I feel like you and I have a great relationship and Brett and I have a great relationship, but there's still maybe a couple of things that, like, I haven't told you or I sure. haven't told Brett... Yeah, but it's insecurities. Yeah, it's yeah. that safe space that I'm just like, I'm paying this person to be nice to me, so they're going to be okay. Like, they're going to help I me agree with that. stuff. I agree with that. I've absolutely told my therapist things that I haven't told Tony, which always makes me feel bad, but then I understand why I'm not mm-hmm. in, in that moment. So I would agree with that a thousand percent. And some of my best sessions, I think, came from days that I was like, I don't know what I'm going to talk about today. Uh, so she, she would usually have a really qualifying question that would trigger a response to something. Uh, or we'd, we'd go back to something that we talked about before so we can really process it in a clearer mindset. So I 100% am talk therapy 100% of the way. Just mm-hmm. do it. Do it. Just find somebody you like and just give it some time. If you haven't been exposed to the open world with your, you know, let down walls, how in the world do you expect that you're going to be able to give that over to somebody in one to two sessions? Right. Right? You don't even know what to do or how to talk. So exactly. get over your damn self and heal, okay? Because you deserve what's on the other side, which is an easier life. I, I just have to say more that. Fulfilling. Yeah, more fulfilling for sure. Growth and contribution. But, like, I just, like, like when we talk about, like, this whole coronavirus thing that's going on, which we didn't even really mention much today because that's not my distraction. Mm-hmm. I'm doing the things I'm supposed to. I'm aware of other people's situations and touching base with them. But it's not going to overrun my life. Um, and I, I don't want to just say that because of that one particular thing. I'm like, if, if financially, if things feel like they're waning in our house, it does not make me pull out my hair the way that it used to. It does not cripple me the way that it, it used to paralyze me to the point where I did nothing. And now it's just like, no, you've done it before. But do you remember how it felt while you, you were just treading above water? Like, why don't you get your head out of your ass and do it right? Because you know, you can, and you know, it'll work because it worked the last time just to stop dilly dally fart fucking around is what my dad would say and do the things you know you're supposed to do. I hate, I love being on this journey with you. I do, but I hate being one step behind you because that's literally where I'm at right now. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, you know what success takes and you know, then you know what success doesn't take. Right. Exactly. So just uh, that, that's the thing to me is like, once you've done the success thing, you're like, okay, I need to expedite in all other areas of my life. And how am I going to do that? And how am I going to be efficient about it? Because this feels good. And I want more of this. I want less of the thing I felt yesterday. Whew. So, dang, I feel like that was a good podcast. I can't wait to get this one up and out. So if you feel like you got something from this, we are encouraging you. Please, please, please share. We know people are going through some stuff right now. Um, and it's 100% free. And free uh, sharing makes you pretty, okay? So quickly, you better tell girls where they can find you. 
photoswithanderson.com. I'm still laughing at your comment. That's pretty good. Sharing makes me pretty. Photoswithanderson.com or on the Facebook. You can also search my private group, Boudoir Photos with Anderson, but just remember that name may be changing. Yeah, yeah. Future. And we'll let you know for yeah, sure. Yeah. yeah, so um, same for me. Instagram, vote for parties. Facebook, find me, follow me, whatever you got to do. Instant message me. It's the best way to keep in touch for sure. I got the private group. We'll be uploading this podcast to uh, VIP page, sexual wellness and intimacy building. It's fantastic, fantastic. And then good girls guide page which i'll be posting some empowerment classes coming up for online only options so we can keep our social distancing up and did you hear that little giggle yeah. my baby girl right outside the door so we want to thank you guys so much for tuning in um i i get so much from doing these podcasts it's like a breath of fresh air weekly for me and uh, really helps me touch base back again with the kinds of things i need to focus on so uh, i hope that you guys got value from this and uh, stay safe stay healthy wash your hands we love you and we'll be back next week for another podcast have a great Wednesday. Bye-bye. Bye. -bye. Bye.